Absolutely wonderful to be with you all on this Sunday morning. Um, and I need to point out one of the, the paradoxes, the kind of the challenges of this Sunday. It is Trinity Sunday, uh, which has a number of nicknames in the preaching world. It is also known as Seminarian Sunday. Sometimes it's known as Deacons Preaching Sunday or Associate Rector Preaching Sunday um, or Good Time to Go on Sabbatical Sunday. And so when Hester, um, when Hester and I were talking there, he's like, you're going to be in town at all the summer. We'd love to have you preach. It's like, sure, I'd, I'd love to preach. I'll be in town over Memorial Day. And she goes, will you preach? I said, absolutely. Where are the texts? She started laughing. Because here's, here's what's interesting. If you read the Collect, if you read the Collect, it says that we have been given this true faith, and we're supposed to keep this true faith. And on this Sunday, we're supposed to talk essentially about the nature of God, and nobody wants to do it. Because they're bound to mess it up. Because the best answer we have been given about the nature of God, which if you think of all the things we have fought over for 2,000 years, and I think the church has split every week for 2,000 years, the nature of God is probably the most important, and the best answer we've been given is a mystery. It is a mystery. The second best answer is it has something to do with relationship. We can't explain it, but every time we open a prayer and we make crosses, we are talking about relationship. We're talking about being in a relationship. So one of the things, I was, um, I was a youth minister here from 2004 to 2010 until uh, Ann and I left to go to seminary. And when you're a youth minister, your job description is essentially, we want, you, we want our young people to learn about God, know Jesus, and be guided by the Holy Spirit. So there we go, once again, something about the Trinity. So one of the things that, um, here that, that I actually inherited was the, the best model for youth ministry that you could possibly imagine. We have this model that still exists today, and we're actually trying to incorporate it at, at my church in Birmingham, where you, you take young people at this formative period of their life, and then after four or five years of awkwardly sitting together in classrooms and trying to figure out what each other thought about um, each other, we would go on this capstone trip where we, we'd leave our families behind, and at that time we could actually not have cell phones. Um, I suspect that is probably long gone. Um, go overseas. And there was an assumption that by traveling to these places where saints and, and, and people of faith had traveled throughout their, their, their journey, that by the end of that experience, our young people would have a faith that they owned, that was theirs, they would know each other, They'd be committed to each other. They'd be committed to God and the church. If we could just get them to that, that period of discovery and pilgrimage. Well, 
What I learned, something a little bit different, um, about six months before that, those trips were to take place, we would have this gigantic fundraiser. Um, it was called Dinner Dance. I think y'all have changed the name since then. And, and you take the group of, of pilgrims that would have been awkwardly sitting next to each other in Sunday school for four years. And um, if you can imagine, if you think of your teenagers, they have probably at this point cooked nothing more than Eggos and maybe learned how to um, fry an egg in a skillet. And they'd be responsible for cooking this elaborate meal for 200 of their closest friends and family. Many people in the church would give wonderful gifts of Grizzlies tickets or Tigers tickets and, 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 and things that they had brought from all over the place. And we'd have this gigantic fundraiser. So if you can imagine, as many of y'all have been to it, you, you have this day dedicated to kind of making sure that you can take this trip. So our first pilgrimage, we're going to Greece in 2005, and we're cooking this elaborate Greek dinner. And we've got kids that are up in the, in the parish hall. There are parents and other children that are setting up an auction in what is now 308. It may have been, had the same name. There's people in Carrick Room. And, and I'm kind of you know, running around making sure that the place doesn't get burned down, that nothing, uh, nobody is getting into trouble. And there's a group that's downstairs in Blaisdell. And I haven't seen them for a few hours, and, and it dawns on me that we've left this, this group undiscovered for a few hours. So I run downstairs, and I walk into the kitchen, and there's Charlton, and I think there's a few others, and maybe Natalie and Jeffrey, and they are just crying unconceivably. I mean, it's, it's, you know, just tears are pouring down. And, and I don't know if y'all have had this experience where, like, in an instant, in a flash of a second, you can have every thought that is ever conceivable comes rushing to you. I'm like, okay, who has broken up with who? <laughs> What's been ruined or destroyed? Youth minister's got to come to the rescue. Here I am, Charles, what's going on? Are you guys all right? He's crying. I don't know, but we've just chopped your 50 pounds of onions. <laughs> you remember, right? I've got a picture of him dangling a, a shrimp. Here's where I'm going. When you chop... 50 pounds of onions and deveining 100 pounds of shrimp when you've metaphorically been to hell and back with your classmates you've got a bond you've got unity that could never have happened by sitting down and studying together and by sitting in the pews I mean, it's important stuff. Don't get me wrong. But when you find God, you don't know this. Where do we really find God? In our relationships with one another. We show up in the hospital. We bring the casserole and we're comforting the person who is sick when we're laughing on the field after some games, when we're bawling our eyes out 
because we can't make sense of life and God, that's when God shows up. You know, the... I don't know how it's been here at Holy Communion, but being a priest the last year and a half has been probably the, the most challenging, um, in many ways life-giving, but figuring out how to make sense of this world. Um, and one of the things to realize is that what's wrong with this world is not about who has or has not been elected. And the pandemic's exacerbated. What's wrong with this world is through this isolation, we've been able to stop being in relationship with each other. It doesn't mean I don't have values and think there's some things that are right or wrong. But we have found ways of, of being in our metaphorical silos or surrounding us with people that affirm who we are and what we believe. We've, sh- we've seen things that people have written or said, people that we deeply loved, and we've cut them out of our life. Not everybody, but it's happening in the circles that I've been in. It's happening in my community. We've come here to church to hear the truth. And the best thing that 2,000 years theologians can come up with is mystery in relationship. It's interesting in the gospel today that, that um, Nicodemus is searching for answers and, and searching for truth. Um, he gets a lot of that from Jesus, but it's, it's fascinating that he comes, he comes in the middle of the night. And I think it's, it's probably the only dialogue in scripture that takes place in the middle of night. I know there's some stuff in the garden the evening before um, Jesus is crucified. But I've, I've been waking up a lot in the middle of the night lately. Um, I've got a 14-year-old cat that thinks breakfast time is at 2 o'clock in the morning, um, and, and, like the, and lunch is at 3.45. Um, and at least once a week, I hit my knee on the side of the bed, I stub my toe on the coffee table, I kick the dog. You cannot get the full picture. You can't get the full picture in the dark. And yet, and yet the tradition is being passed down, so much so that when Nicodemus later sees Christ, he he has a deep and abiding relationship with him. At the crucifixion, he is there. And he learns when he cannot see everything. Here's what I am convinced more than ever. We are here in the space, all of us, to encounter the living God. To encounter the living God. To grow in our knowledge and love of Christ. To be emboldened by the Spirit. All of us grow in our our commitment to be in relationship with each other our commitment to be in relationship with people who are different who believe differently who live differently 
to drive us crazy, made us angry, we've hurt our feelings. Our commitment to be in a relationship in the most polarized time that I've been alive, it's not a doubt in my mind that we will not find God that our relationship with God will not be deepened. So I wish I could tell you about the nature of God. Maybe I'll have it figured out if you'll ever invite me back. But I'm convinced that our commitment to know each other, to know our neighbors, will deepen our knowledge and love of God, which is the reason that we are gathered here. May we be so bold to live with that openness and willingness to be in relationship. Amen.